What's up, Wizards fans and NBA nerds? My name is Bryce Haas, and you're listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network, a podcast giving you game-by-game breakdowns of everything Wizards. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of the Wizards Hoops Analyst. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Cavaliers Central, Knuck If You Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, and At The Buzzer. Plus, our coaching-focused podcast, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and The Green Light. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S. E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. That was a pretty good win for the Wizards. Um, going into the All-Star break, uh, to pick up a win against a really, really good Clippers team. It's always positive. Um, now, I will. I do have to mention that they didn't have Paul George because of dizziness, and um, Marcus Morris did not play because of a concussion. So obviously, those are two um, starter level guys. Obviously, Paul George is like top fifteen player in the league. He's pretty crucial to what they do. Um, so is Marcus Morris. So missing those two guys um, will definitely hurt your team. But you can only play uh, who the other team has out there. So big win for the Wizards. Um, pushes their record to fourteen and twenty on the season. Uh, with that two-point win against the Clippers. Um, so coming into this game, the Clippers were 24-12, um, and 12, I believe. Twenty No, 24-13 and 13 coming into the game. Um, their point differential was plus 5.7, which is fifth in the league. Um, offense rating of 119.3, which is third in the league. And um, defensive rating of 113.6, which is good for 20th in the league, which uh, isn't very good. Um, so yeah, just a big game overall for the Wizards. They actually played pretty well on defense, um, for the most part, besides like a couple of the quarters, um, being the, I guess just the second quarter, like their defense was just terrible. Um, but besides that, the Wizards actually did a really, really good job. Um, and I guess the second quarter, so it was kind of like a weird situation where, um, Kawhi Leonard only played like three minutes in the first quarter then played a lot of the second quarter against the Wizards bench. And it was just like an absolute disaster with him, like Lou Williams and Ivica Zubac. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll touch on that later. Um, I just want to, I guess, first go over the overview and the four factors type of stuff. Um, 
So in this game, the Wizards' offensive rating was 115.7, um, and the Clippers' offensive rating was 113.7, um, both pretty good numbers, um, but it was just a little higher. Um, so just looking over the four factors, the difference in this game was turnovers. Um, Wizards forced a ton of turnovers, and not only were the turnovers, like, they were live ball. They are like pick six turnovers, um, just pick six term, like Howell Neto was getting a lot of steals going down for layups, so Beal got a couple, Westbrook got a couple which is awesome. Like, if you can get a steal and get an easy fast-break layup, that's always an incredible thing. Um, effective field goal percentage, the Clippers were actually six points high, or five and a half points higher in terms of effective field goal percentage than the Wizards at 56.1 compared to the Wizards' 50.6. Offense rebound rate, the Clippers were higher than the Wizards by about 1%, um, which is always helpful in terms of winning basketball games, obviously, because it gives you another shot at the possession. And free throw rate, both teams were through the roofs. Um, there were a ton of foul calls in this game. There's a lot of players in foul trouble. Um, like Kawhi Leonard had five fouls down the stretch. Um, Rui Hachimura had five fouls down the stretch. Like Westbrook, I think, had three. Beal had like three or four. Um, just tons of foul trouble all the way around. I don't like when basketball is called that tightly. Um, but like one thing you can say is that they were consistent going both ways, which is all you can ever ask for a ref. Um, but the Wizards' foul rate was insane at 34.1%, and the Clippers was at 30.5%. Both crazy, crazy numbers. Um, yeah, just to go over some of the top-line uh, stats. Um, really strong games from Beal and Westbrook. Um, Westbrook looked a lot better tonight than he had in the past two games. And yeah, I think that uh, on a related note, the Wizards won the basketball game. Um, he had 27 points, was plus 15 on the night, 11 assists, 9 rebounds. Um, 7 for 15 from the free throw line, which is not great, but it's actually like really not the end of the world in terms of a points per possession proposition. Um, he was 9 for 19 from the field. Um, so 27 points on 26 and a half shooting possessions, like not super efficient, um, but the way that he was creating for others, um, pushed him to a positive offensive value, um, obviously on a positive defensive value this game, um, per usual, but he did have, um, four steals, which is good. Just not, uh, I'll talk about that later. Um, but Beal had 33 points plus four in 37 minutes, um, nine for 23 from the field and one for four from three, 14, 15 at the line. So overall 33 points on, Ooh, got to do some 30.5 shooting possessions. So solid in terms of efficiency not incredibly not incredible but you know good enough um netto had another pretty strong game 11 points um five or ten from the field was incredible on defense um doesn't show in the plus minus he was minus 20 because more because of the guys who he was playing with and because of the guys he was playing against for the most part honestly um Breton's at 11 points minus five in 27 minutes um two for five from three um but got some good looks so you'll live with that um Kawhi Leonard did not have a great game he only uh, he well only he scored 22 points was plus nine on the night in 32 minutes so he was plus nine on the night while when he was off the floor the team was minus 11 in what is that 16 minutes um so yeah uh, when Paul George isn't playing that's kind of what's going to happen um Lou Williams had 16 points um actually their whole bench is pretty solid point wise Tra uh, Terrence Mann had 14 um Luke Kennard had 14 Avicii Zubac had 13 um Patrick Beverly had 17 points he shot the ball tonight um, and he's obviously brings what he brings on defense while he might be a, a tad bit overrated on defense just because he runs around and moves his hands a lot um, he was good tonight um, Reggie Jackson at 12 he was solid um, Serge Ibaka was terrible he only had 18 points he's in foul trouble most of the game he was minus 22 on the night in 18 minutes he was minus 22 that's insane um, so I don't know what was up with him um, but that's kind of crazy. Like, he just didn't bring anything defensively. Um, the Clippers, I'll talk about this right now. So the Clippers were pretty much running a drop for the most part when Serge Ibaka was on the floor, um, which is fine, I guess, um, because Beal didn't do a great job of exploiting it um, against Serge Ibaka. 
But, like, he didn't bring that much, like, at the rim. Like, if you were on a drop and the Wizards aren't attacking the rim, like, I guess that's what you want because you you want teams to not attack the rim. Um, but, I don't know, he just didn't provide much. And his spacing on offense was, like, a non-factor. Um, he swung the ball around. That's great. But he was just not really a factor on offense and didn't really get a chance to impact the game on defense. Um, so, you know, pretty meh night for Serge Ibaka. And a meh night in the NBA is not going to get you much playing time. Um, actually... What I forgot to talk about, which I want to talk about in the beginning, I got carried away with looking at the stats, um, the box score numbers, was just the end of the fourth quarter. Um, it was definitely a crazy end to the game. Um, the Clippers' offense in the fourth quarter was so stagnant. Like, they had no secondary actions run ever. Like, it was always just a primary action, and then if that didn't go, um, if that didn't work out, then it's an ISO. Um like, it was just, like, nothing. Like, nothing going on off the ball. There was no movement. It was just, like, either a handoff or... Um, it was a dribble handoff or a pick and roll or pick and pop, like something like that. And then if that didn't work, it'd either flow into a handoff and then a shot or just flow into an ISO. Like there was nothing going on off the ball. There's no cutting. There's no back screen, no cross screen, like none, no flex screen, nothing. And then like maybe an occasional piss off the top, like, but they didn't score a basket for like three or four straight minutes. And like their offense was just ugly. Like, come on, like Tyron Lou, like you have some offensive talent. Like, you can't have Trey Mann set a back screen for, I don't know, Batum or something. Like, you can't have a cross screen to get Batum a post-touch and then, like, have run a hammer on the weak side, like, just steal, steal something out of the Lakers. Play. I don't know, like, something like that just to get any sort of movement off the ball. Like, it was hard because the Wizards, it made it so easy for them because they struggled all game to defend ball screens. And since there was just nothing going on off the ball, it made their lives a lot easier, um, especially with, like, Mo Wagner's on the floor a lot late in the game. He can actually move his feet a little. He was able to um, play at the level and then contain Kawhi Leonard and get back to his man. But also, um, they're making like they also switched a little bit, um, and they're making their lives easier by just not doing much off the ball. Like they weren't even like lifting or anything. Like a couple times, um, the weak side uh, wing would lift all the way to the top of the key, and the Wizards didn't really know how to guard that um, because then it makes your weak side defender kind of have to guard two guys that are really really far apart. Like yeah, the weak side defender should just go to the first pass anyways, just defend it the way you normally do. Um, but it's hard. It may it puts the defender in a tough situation where they have to think. And if you make the defense think, usually that's a big win for your team. Um, the Clippers just didn't do any of that in the last four minutes of the game. It was frustrating to watch because they have such good personnel. They're closing in with like Batum and like Lou Williams, Reggie Jackson, Serge Baca, Kawhi Leonard. Like if you have Kawhi Leonard, run some more interesting stuff. Like he, he can also really, really work in the post, run some cross screens, uh, run whatever to get him the ball in the post. But like you got to do something and like run like you have Lou Williams too. He's a really good ball handler. Run like Iverson and to like whatever, run like more pistol, more, I don't know, just something. Like you got to have some juice and then run stuff off the ball. Like, I don't know, Kawhi Leonard can shoot. Like, like Batum can shoot. Like these guys can shoot the ball. Um, I just don't understand. Like even like bring Kennard in and maybe like run him some, like, I don't know. Just like you got to be able to think of something. It's, they were on like a three or four minute drought to close the game. Um, so I just don't understand what Tyron Lue was doing there at the end. Um, I want to look at actually the, um, the win probability because it seemed like there should have been pretty high close to the end. Um, so with, let's see, um, with four minutes left, um, it was 106 to 102 in favor of the Clippers and they had a 77% chance to win. Um, and then the Clippers didn't score after, until, um, let's see about one minute left. So they went like three minutes from four minutes to one minute left in the game without scoring the ball. And I, I, it's because their offense was stagnant. They weren't getting any good looks. Like, I don't know what else to tell you. Um, they, you just gotta, you gotta 
put your players in a better position than for them to just run one action into whatever with nothing going on off the ball. Um, it makes the defense, it just makes their job so much easier. Um, yeah, like the Clippers did, were able to do that a lot in their like beginning of the game, like especially in the second quarter. Um, they were just destroying the Wizards with tons and tons and tons and tons. Endless side ball screens for Lou Williams or endless like just step up ball screens for Lou Williams. And then just Kawhi Leonard just letting him roam free, do whatever he wants because he's Kawhi Leonard. He's awesome. Um, he does like he does get some ball screen set for him, but he operates really well at the um, high post, like elbow area. Like he's awesome from there. Um, and yeah, <laughs> like he had some really, really egregious mat- like mismatches against like Rui Hachimura and Denny Avdia that he just didn't attack well enough. Um, so yeah, that's what I have to say about that. And, oh, I also, so end of the game, I guess I will go over the past like few plays. Um, uh, I want to see where I want to start talking about. Um, I guess like, okay, so I'll talk about 40 seconds left. The Wizards are up 113 to 106. Um, Nicholas Batum, the the Clippers, out of a timeout, they run a um, ghost ball screen. Um, Batum comes up like a setting screen for Kawhi Leonard. Uh, he pops. The Wizards um, have a slight miscommunication. Um, Batum pops wide open. He makes an open shot. Um, and then on the inbound, the Clippers do something that was really, really smart. So they're down four. Um, there's 41 seconds left. You you could possibly play it straight up, but you like don't really want to do that. So... If you want to foul, you foul Russell Westbrook. Um, Russell Westbrook on the night. Actually, I want to check his season stats um, for. Hold up, I have to open a new tab because I want to keep that other tab open. Um, I want to check his season stats for free throws because that this is something I want to talk about. This is actually it's actually like an interesting st- uh, statistical conversation. Um, so I definitely want to touch on it um, right here in this um, podcast, super quick. Um, so foul drawing. So on the season, before this game, I believe, um, I don't think cleaning glass updates that quickly um, in one second like that. Um, he's 60.3%. So, but during the game, overall, he was, well, at the point he got fouled, I believe he was three for 10. Um, let's see, overall on the night, he ended seven for 15. So let's just, I'd, I'd, I'd let's just say he was three for 10 at the, at the moment. Um, so if he's three for 10 and you foul, well, no, I'll get into this later. Um, so he makes um, both free throws. Um, and then after that, the Wizards are up 115 to 109. Um, the Wizards foul um, Nicholas Batum on a three-pointer, which is, like, terrible. I, don't, I think it was Bradley Beal who fouled him on the three-pointer. Like, the one thing you cannot do is foul someone on three-pointer. Um, it's literally worse than taking the ball and putting it in your own basket. Like, if you take the ball and you put it in your own basket, that's two points. If you foul someone on a three-point shot, it's worth about, like, depending, like Batum, let's just assume he's a 75% three-point sh- three shooter. Like, fouling him on a three-point shot is worth 2.25 points. So, literally, fouling someone on a three-point shot is worse than putting the ball in your own basket. Like, you cannot foul a three-point shooter ever. It's terrible. Just let him make a shot over your outstretched arms. Sorry about that. I don't know why this ESPN keeps playing... These stupid clips. Okay. You cannot foul someone on a three-point shot. It's like Cardinal Sin um, right after that. So this is where I want to talk about the Westbrook free throws. So at this point, he was 12 or he was 5 for 12. Um, well, let's just say they're operating on the assumption that he was 3 for 10. Um, just to make this more interesting of a conversation. Um, so 20 seconds left. No, 20. So there's a five-second difference between shot and game clock. You're down by three points. Your options are to either force or get a stop or um, foul Russell Westbrook and make him go to the free throw line. Um, If Russell Westbrook goes to the free throw line and makes one out of two free throws, the game is essentially over. 
Um, if he misses both, then you get the ball back. You're down three. You have a shot to tie the game. What I would do is just play it out and look, look for the shot to tie the game. Um, so basically the, the basic math is that um, the average NBA floor percentage is like how often a team is going to score. So floor percentage in the NBA is around 50%. So you have a 50-50 chance of getting the ball back to be able to shoot a three to tie the game. So your win probability is 50%. At, well, at that point, it'd be 50% um, that they don't make the shot. Let's say 30% that you go down and make a three. And then 50% of that, because then you go to overtime and it's 50-50 chance you win in overtime. So it's 30% of 50%. It's 50% of 30% of 50%, whatever that is. So 30% of 50% would be 15%. And then 50, so you have a 7.5% chance of winning at that point. Um, but if you foul Russell Westbrook, it depends... I guess the math depends on what kind of uh, what you're operating out of. But even if you're operating, I'm thinking that, well, okay, no, no, no. I'll talk about it this way. So it's an interesting conversation that you can have because he was, say that you were operating under the assumption that he was three for 10 on the night. Um, that's a 30% free throw shooter. But the odds of a 30% three free throw shooter missing twice in a row is 70% of 70%. So I just have to do that super quick in my calculator app. 0.7 times 0.7. So the odds of him making, missing two in a row are 0.49. Um, so that's actually pretty close to 0.5. So if you're operating under the assumption that he's a 30% free throw shooter, then it's perfectly reasonable to foul in that situation. But if you're operating under the assumption that he's a 60% free throw shooter, um, which he is on the season, um, so then the odds of him missing both are 0.4 times 0.4, which is 0.16, which means that he would be an 84% chance of putting the game away and you basically losing. Um, then it's egregiously bad to foul in that situation. That's stupid at that point. Um, so me personally, I would operate under the assumption of trusting the sample size of the whole entire season rather than trusting the sample size of 10 free throws. Um, but you can make an argument that free throws is, is like, it is more of a mental thing than just like running around and shooting um, in the flow of the game. Um, especially late in a game like that. So if you make that argument, but I don't think that you can credibly make the argument that he was a 30% three free throw shooter at that point. Um, and even if it's like a, you make the argument that, yeah, he's normally 60%, but right now he's probably more of a 50% shooter, which I think is more reasonable to say in the situation. That's still a, only a 25% chance that he misses both. Like, I hate that decision late in the game to foul when you could potentially get the ball back and they had a timeout. I don't. I hate that decision. Um, they ended up hitting a three with 15 seconds left to cut the lead to one. Um, Beal made two free throws to put the lead back to three, um, and then the Wizards just fouled um, smartly while they were up three with eight seconds left. Um, and then <laughs> they got the ball in. Uh, Clippers fouled. Wizards got an offensive rebound. The game was over. Um, so it ended up. Westbrook made one of the two free throws, um, which um, the odds are that he would do that, um, no matter how you cut the math. And um, you know. They won the game. So I hate the decision, honestly, um, by Tyron Lue or whoever made the decision um, to foul Westbrook in that situation. That is the broad statistical argument that I wanted to present. Um, but if you interpret the numbers a different way, then I'd, I would love to have a conversation about it. So definitely hit me up uh, to talk to me about it. But again, that's that's just what I think. Um, but the beautiful thing about basketball and overall analytics is that everything is interpretable. Um, you can have the data, you can have the st statistics, but um, you can still have broader conversations about what they actually mean. And that is why the field exists. Um, so yeah, I, I think that that's interesting. Um, and I'd lo love to have anyone, if they're listening to it, one of the people, if you've listened this far, um, definitely, um, I'd love to have a conversation about that.
But yeah, just going over um, some other stuff. So in terms of free throws, there were a ton of free throws in this game. Um, the Wizards were at um, 30 for 42, which is 71%, which is pretty good overall, um, despite Westbrook only going 7 for 15. Um, well, not pretty good, but like fine enough. And the Clippers had 27 free throws, um, and they made 92.6%. But the Wizards um, led in the free throw department by um, 15 Um yeah, just looking at like the overall shot charts, it's kind of crazy. Um, the Clippers only shot four, six shots at the rim, which is like, it's pretty interesting because the Wizards were running like a higher variety of pick and roll schemes um, because at times they were playing like they had a small lineup with like Rui at the five. Um, they had Mo Wagner coming out on the floor more. Um, they weren't playing as much of a strict drop. Like they were playing a drop when uh, Lopez was in the game. But that is interesting to see. They only got six shots at the rim. As, but they don't have particularly guys that attack the rim. They have a couple finishers like Zubac, I assume, got most of those six shots at the rim. And actually, I can look at that. Um, I know Kawhi got at least one. Or no, he got none. He had a dunk in this game. Okay, that's weird. Um, yeah, I don't... Did he dunk from four feet away? I don't understand. Um, but Ibaka got no shots at the rim. Uh, where's Zubac? Z at the end, obviously. So five of the six shots at the rim were from Zubac. I want to figure out who the other guy was. Lou Williams had one shot at the rim and he missed. Okay, so that, so five shots at the rim, pretty much all from Ivica Zubac. Um, Wizards had 17 shots at the rim, and they're 12 for 17. Um, they also made 8 for 17 from above the big threes, 8 for 16 from mid-range, and 11 for 32 at floater range, which... Is bad. Um, Floater range shots are not great shots. You want to get a little, little bit closer, um, but it really depends like where in the floater range um, you're shooting from. Like if it's from four feet, that's fine. If it's from 14 feet, that's bad. Um, that's a big no-no. Uh, I want to see who was shooting at the rim for the Wizards. Robin Lopez had six shots at the rim. Um, he had another solid game, um, not his best game. Westbrook. Oh, I definitely have to talk about the Westbrook um, shot selection. Um, so Westbrook played better tonight in the fact that he was driving to the rim and dishing out. Um, he was running pick and roll. He did a good job of finding players. He had a bunch of assists. Um, he had a bunch of almost assists with passes, like kickouts. Like he's really, really good at drawing in the defense and kicking out. Like that's like, to me, that's his best skill. I've said that like every single podcast, he was two for two finishing around the rim. Fine. He got a bunch of free throws. Very, very good. I mean, actually, no, that's awesome. I love to see him get more free throws. Um, cause free throws are so, so efficient. Um, even if you're, even if you're a 60% free throw shooter, that is insane. That's 1.2 points per possession. That is incredibly efficient. That's awesome. Um, and Westbrook's a terrible free throw shooter. And he's still super, super efficient from the free throw line. Um, so keep getting free throws. I love when Russell Westbrook is aggressive. And he played a lot better tonight, um, to his credit, 100%. Um, two for nine from floater range. Um, a lot of the shots were closer floater range. Actually, I want to change this from shot zone to shot plot. Um, shot plot. Yeah, you can tell that a lot of it, like, none of the, his floater range shots were from that far out. Um, except for, I mean, a couple, but like out of nine, like seven of them were really much, much closer, uh, much more like six footers versus 14 footers. Um, three for four from mid range um, and two for four from above the break threes. Again, I don't like to see him shoot above the break threes because he's not good at them. I don't like to see him shoot from mid range because he's not good at those shots. Um, but if those are the counters to the defense stopping him, then that's fine. Um, he shot eight shots overall from mid range and above the break threes and 11 shots from inside the paint. I'd like to see those m- numbers much more skewed towards shooting inside the paint, but it is what it is. Um, he played well tonight. The shots are falling. Um, hopefully he can make an adjustment when the shots aren't falling, which he hasn't been able to do this season, but I guess I can't complain too much if the shots um, are falling. Um, I guess I'll, I'll just go... Actually, how much time? Um, it's All-Star break. Um, I guess got to have a break. Uh, we're going to have a bunch of long break. Uh, watch Bradley Beal in the All-Star game. Um, yeah, so I guess I'll go over my notes for 20 minutes in, and then I'll let you out of here. Um, 
yeah. So something that was interesting right out of the gates, the Wizards had like kind of a hard show and contain on Kawhi Leonard, um, and the Clippers kind of just swung the ball and got open looks. They did that a lot all night. Um, Clippers are really good at swinging the ball around, like making the defense. Like when the defense is in full rotation and the Wizards suck at full, like fully rotating, um, the Clippers are good at swinging the ball around and finding the open man. Um, they didn't knock down all their open looks, but they <laughs> they shot the ball pretty well tonight. Um, and it, good for the Wizards for winning the game, but um, they just need to work on their rotations. Like this looked like the Wizards of like a month ago. Um, the Wizards have been getting better, but tonight was just really, really, really bad. Um, still won the game. Uh, can't complain too much. Um, again, um, Clippers were dropping against Bradley Beal. Already touched on that. Um, Wizards going small early. Touched on that. Um, Wizards going blah 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 blah. blah. Talked about that. Um, Lou Williams. Lou Williams is interesting because he runs like when he's in the game with their bench units. It's just like a pick and roll with him every single time. But he's good. Like he's good at creating out of the pick and roll. Um, he's really really good um, from the right side um, because he can go to his preferred left hand, which for some reason he loves to go to the left side. So sometimes they set a side ball screen when he's on the right side and he can go to the left side. Or if they just set a step up and he comes off it on the right side going right, he'll just snake it. And snaking ball screens are hard to guard because then the line between like which side is the weak side kind of gets like blurred. So it's, it's hard to guard defensively, and he, like the Wizards struggle with that at times. When um, Lou Williams uh, snake ball screens, he got a feature Zubach for a couple dunks. Um, Zubach also came in for a couple offensive rebounds for dunks, um, which like the weak side is usually there to help, and then they, it's their responsibility to box out the big man once they switch onto him or once they help onto him. And it's hard to know like where to help from if someone snakes a pick and roll. Um, so that was that's definitely like something that like Bradley Beal has gotten pretty good at that, um, but. Yeah, it's hard to defend Lou Williams in the pick and roll. Um, he just wasn't super efficient tonight overall. But um, yeah, I, I mean, obviously I like him as a six man, but like, because that's like his thing. Um, six man like Lou will. But um, yeah, I wrote about, oh, I got to look at the stats on the Wizards pick sixes. Um, first of all, like I haven't even looked at that. Uh, so transition off steals, the Wizards ran 83.3% of the time off steals. Their points per play was 160 per 100 possessions, which is ridiculous. They were super efficient. They got to that a ton. It was awesome. Um, so yeah, overall in transition, the Wizards did a great job. 20.6% of their um, opportunities were in transition. A lot of that is because they got so many steals, um, leading to 173.7 points per play, which is insane. Um, great offense. Um, overall points per possession was plus 11.6 when they got out in transition, which is great, 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 great stuff um, from the Wizards. Um, yeah, a lot of those were from steals. Um, I want to see how many total steals they had tonight. So total steals, they had 12 steals. Really, really good number. Um, Clippers only had four, so good for the Wizards. Um, I wrote, Avdia is guarding Kawhi right now. The, the biggest mismatch I've ever seen in my life since I saw Mo trying to guard Nick uh, Nikola Jokic, which is true. Um, Nikola Jokic was a little bit too much for Mo Wagner. Um, Neto had an awesome night defensively. I don't know if I touched on that or how much I did, but... There was no one to guard Kawhi. Kawhi only scored 22 points. Uh, he didn't have his best night. Um, oh yeah, I do want to talk about the Clippers' um, kind of scheme against Beal a little bit. So they're top-locking Beal, um, but they were ready for the back cut because if he back cut, they would just switch. Whoever was guarding the screener of like who was setting the um, down screen, they'd just switch on to Beal. Um, and if someone got caught on the screen as they're trying to come off it, they would just switch again. Um, so that was a pretty good strategy um Beal like he had a pretty quiet 33 points like if that is possible um but the Clippers did a pretty good job of scheming against him Beal is just such a good scorer that he was still able to put up a ton of points um Clippers killing the Wizards on side ball screen talked about that oh last play of the half um the Wizards ran a ghost like ghost screen with 
um, Beal and Bertans, and Bertans um, was open, but Beal just took it in for and got a layup. I love that play. I don't know why. Like they, I should see that play like two to three times a game because it's so hard to guard. Like, what do you do against that? Do you switch, or it leaves a ton of miscommunication? Like, it's tough to guard. Um, ghost screens in general are tough to guard, especially with a shooter as elite as Bertans and score as elite as Bradley Beal. Um, that is not easy. Uh, I love that play. Um, I'm going to take advantage. Oh, okay, yeah. So something interesting was that um, the Clippers were switching a lot when. Beal was um, setting screens. Um, so one play, Beal set a screen, a wedge screen for Rui. Um, Rui got in the post against Patrick Beverly, and Rui got a pretty good look in the post because Patrick Beverly is significantly smaller. Um, that was an interesting play, but then they ran it again, and then they didn't get the switch, so Rui was posting up Kawhi Leonard, which is a terrible matchup. I hate when the Wizards try to post Rui against good defenders. They used to do it against, like, I remember they did it one time. They kept posting up Rui against... I don't know. It was like, no, it was Kevin Durant. Like, what are they thinking? Posing him up against Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard. But anyways, um, yeah, I talked about the Clippers struggling offensively that quarter. They only scored um, 26 points in the third quarter. So, yep, pretty good note. Um, I wrote, yeah, so they didn't, they weren't as pick and roll heavy in that third quarter um, as they were in that second quarter when they had a ton of success, which is kind of weird that they went away from that because they still had Lou Williams in the game a lot in that third quarter. Um, oh, they run a, they're just running tons of stuff out of horns, um, mostly ending in a ball screen. And the Wizards, like, near the end of the third quarter, the Clippers really started to score more. Um, just running stuff with horns. They had, they've run so many things out of um, horns. They can give it to Kawhi in the um, elbow. They can have him pop out a little and then um, give him the ball and just run a pick and roll. Um, they can just run a pick and roll right out of it and have someone else either cut through or pop. Like, they're... Like, horns is a thing that you can run a ton of things out of, and the Clippers, I don't know if they're just, like, experimenting with it or whatever they're doing, but they ran a lot out of it. Um, oh, yeah, the Clippers went to this interesting four-guard lineup, and they really, really hurt the Wizards. Um, it was, like, it was Terrence Mann. Um, oh, I'm not going to say it off the top of my head because I'm going to forget. But I know it was Terrence Mann, Lou Williams, Reggie Jackson, and Patrick Beverly, I want to say. Um, maybe one of those guys were switched out for Luke Kennard, but it was something like that. And then the center was, um, Avicii Zubac. And that was a really, really good lineup. That was interesting. Um, <laughs> Bertans threw down a lob. He looked like Dominique Wilkins. It was awesome. Um, like not really. He barely grazed the rib, but it looked pretty good. Um, Clippers run a ton of pistol. Talked about that. Um, Denny and Kawhi talked about that. Um, stagnant offense, um, motionless, blah, 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 blah. Westbrook. Oh yeah. Westbrook on the floor at the end of the game is something that I don't get. Um, like he, he's not a defender and he can't make a free throw. So why would he be on the floor when you're up five with however many seconds left? That didn't make sense. Um, and that's pretty much the last thing I wanted to say. Um, the next Wizards game is next Wednesday. Um, so yeah, we have a bit of a long layoff. I don't want to really preview the game like six days beforehand. Um, so yeah, definitely, um, check out the other episodes if you haven't listened. Um, I guess all-star break is a good time to catch up because I do release like half hour pods like every other day or every day. So it can be hard to keep up. Um, so yeah. I'm definitely excited for whatever, whoever the Wizards are playing after All-Star break. I don't even know. Um, but yeah, whenever that is, like Wednesday, I'll have a podcast coming out that night or the next day. Thank you for listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network. Please don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Pod. I'll see you next time.